Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plain, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. Hello and welcome to episode 43, a postcard from the Lake District. Hello everyone, how are you? It's gorgeously sunny here in uh, the Cheshire Plain. A little blustery though, you know every now and again we get a bit of a gust. So apologies if there's any background noise. I started recording just before and then had to stop due to somebody getting their lawnmower out, um, which was a little noticeable, but uh, I scrapped that and started again. Thank you for all the feedback from the last episode. Lots of people (laughs) standing looking at the planets, apparently, not just me, gazing there and thinking about uh, the smallness of us all in the vast scheme of space. Um, So it's lovely to get all your feedback. I'd also like to apologise. Min pick up on the listener's map. I think I said uh, that she was in Thailand. That was because I was squinting at a very small version of the map and I couldn't see properly when I actually expanded it properly she's actually in Singapore sorry I'm really sorry about that since I spoke to you last Saturday it's I've worked well uh, it's been manic it's like if this week doesn't demonstrate my entire crafty ADHD I don't know what does Um, I've just flitted about from craft to craft and it's all been a bit bonkers it started off with trying to finish my damson a bit at a time. The actual loopy border wasn't too bad. You go along and do rows of decreases and double yarn overs and then when you go past back through the double yarn overs you knit one purl one, knit one purl one and each double yarn over to make this big loop and then cast it off. That didn't go too badly but it took a long time to cast off. Not because it took a long time to cast off but because I just couldn't sit and do more than about 10 minutes at a time. Um, but I finished it yesterday in the Spinning Guild AGM, so hurrah! It needs blocking, and I have some yarn left out of the 400 yards. Now, bearing in mind that it is supposed to take 440, and that's why I used a smaller needle size. You know, obviously, I'm pleased I didn't run out of yarn, but I have got a little bit of yarn left, so he's just, mm. And I think I probably have the world's smallest damson, but never mind. Hopefully, the magic of blocking will sort it out. What else have I been doing? Right, well, when I spoke to you last weekend, I had started dyeing some yarn and fibre for projects for the Spinning Guild exhibition. Well, obviously, there was an awful lot of dye left on the Sunday. The ones that I'd left overnight to cool had taken up much better than the ones that I had taken out so that I could reuse the pots uh, or the, the plastic containers. But there was still quite a bit of dye left in the solution, so I decided to dye some more yarn. Um, I took, I've, I've got three 50 gram skeins of kid silk, lace, kid silk lace from Posh Yarn, which basically looks very similar to um, Kid Silk Haze by Rowan. I, ha- I bought four of them. One of them I dyed with, I think, was it? It might have been with some Kool Aid a long, long time ago. Might not have been, but I have a feeling it's it's Kool-Aid. It's sort of orangey. So I dyed um, one of those skeins, a pale lemon yellow. And then I dyed 
some more fibre. So I dyed another 100 grams of Blue Face Leicester. I thought that I'd, I'd put some to Mordant because I was fairly convinced that there was going to be a lot of the purple dye left and maybe I needed to do um, a paler version because the one that came out would be too dark. Actually, the one that came out was nicely mottled with bluey areas and lilac-y areas and purpley areas. So, And there was virtually no dye left in the water. So I actually just dyed that green. So that's kind of a sort of a fainter emerald green, but it kind of looks like the green of a Granny Smith apple, I think, of the skin of a Granny Smith apple. So it looks really nice. Uh, and then I dyed some Falkland Sliver that also came from DT Craft and Design. So some of that has come out um, paler yellow, some blue that I experimented with different concentrations of the dye that I had left and I've still got some of the blue dye left I've bottled it up and put it upstairs I put some in the exhaust dye from the scarlet so that's really quite pale pink and um, I put some in the black so that's come out kind of like a charcoal grey I also have dyed some Gotland curls that I washed and prepared last summer when I was making the cushion for the tame show um, they're still there waiting to be used so I dye some of those in some some of the pink and some green and I also took some grey Gotland carded grey Gotland that I bought from um, Blacker Yarns and dyed that in the yellow and the green now I didn't know how much that was going to show because it's a quite a mid to dark grey but actually, when I woke up on Monday morning, I'd pegged them out on the line to dry. And when I opened the blind and looked out on it, I could see in the sunlight that there were definitely yellow tones and green tones. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know if I'm going to spin it up or if I'm going to use it in felting. But I'm quite... It's, it's an interesting effect, so I'm quite pleased with it. So that was trying to use up lots of dye stocks. I can't bear waste. You know, busy, busy splattered the kitchen a bit ended up with slightly stained fingernails because at one point I'd put the gloves upstairs and I was just too lazy to walk upstairs it's just not a good move is it it's really not a good move but there we are and then out of the things that I dyed last weekend for the exhibition I took some of the yarn that I dyed red yellow blue and green and also some then some black Hebridean from blacker yarns and crocheted a set of interlocking rings the theme of the Guild's exhibition this year that goes around and is displayed when we demonstrate is circles to, to tie in with the Olympic theme. So I've crocheted these rings and they're interlocking. Now I've not laid them out like an Olympic flag because the Olympic um, organisation gets, International Olympic or Committee get quite edgy about people using it. So I've just linked them round in a circle, but I'm quite pleased with them. They look dreadful before I'd block, given them a soak and a stretch and a press. Um, I haven't actually pressed them with an iron, I just pressed them out with the towel. But once I'd done that and coaxed them into lying flat, they looked really nice. They were just really simple rings. I think I chained 15 stitches in a foundation chain using a 5mm needle and then put in 24 double crochet. That's English double crochet, so that's American single crochet. And then put a one double crochet American single crochet into each of those to complete the ring each ring as I did it was threaded the foundation chain was threaded through the previous ring um, from back to front before it was joined up so that you actually crocheted them interlinking 
some companies of those. I used the fibre. I took some of the undyed Blue Face Leicester top, which was in a long strip, and lightly needle felted it, partly because I think my needle felting needles need to be replaced. They've, they've had quite a lot of use, and I think they probably need replacing. Um, so that it's not felting very tightly. But also, actually, I loved the there's this wave to the fibre, and I wanted people to be able to see that it was fibre. Um, so it is quite lightly felted um, and is in a long, creamy strip. And then I've just needle felted little pieces of the dyed fibre into circles. Big ones, small ones, rings, solid circles, um, just randomly across um, so that there's just it looks like a a big sort of flowing river with these circles needle felted on the top. I'm actually really, really pleased with it in terms of an art piece. I don't think it's got any function at all um, because it's too lightly felted to be used as a scarf, for example, or even a table runner. But I'm really quite pleased with it as an art piece and I'm quite tempted, I think, when it comes back, I might put one end of it around a dowel and hang it up, you know, have it as a wall hanging. Maybe. I handed it over to the exhibition secretary yesterday in readiness for the first um, exhibition, which takes place in West Kirby Library on April the 10th, 12th, 13th and 14th um, on the Wirral. But I've just realised this morning as I was preparing my notes for the podcast that I forgot to actually take photographs of it. So how stupid am I? So I can't show it you um, until I see it again. It'll actually be on the first day of the exhibition in West Kirby. I'm going to be there um, demonstrating. So if there is anyone in the Wirral area um, on Merseyside who is available on that, it's the day after the Easter Bank holiday. Feel free to come over and say hello because um, I'll be demonstrating in the West Kirby Library. But I'm not going to see them before then to take photographs of them. So you'll have to wait till then. Sorry about that. <laughs> so that's... Some knitting and some dyeing and some crocheting and some needle felting. So that's four crafts. What else have I done? Um, I've started weaving again. <laughs> I got some lovely four ply from Texair Yarns. It's British yarn. One is a cream, very smooth four ply, and one is a Herdwick four ply that's obviously grey but it's got a lot more of I think they're called the Kemp or the guard hairs so it's it's a hairy fuzzy looking yarn and I've warped up my loom um, across about 20 inches with alternating blocks of the cream and the grey and when I've finished warping it up then obviously I'm going to be weaving across it and I'm planning on again blocks of the cream and the grey to make a checked fabric so um, that is designed again to make a wool sack cushion so it you know if it works I, I don't know if it will work um, it's it, it, I've done it on a 12.5 DPI header which means that the threads are closer together than they were on the county wrap and I would say the yarn's possibly a similar thickness. So I hope that it closes up together. But I don't know that I necessarily properly treated the wrap the way that other people talk about. Because they say that your weaving does tend to shrink in. 
and tighten up much more than knitting does when you wash it and block it. And I didn't, I can't say I particularly noticed that on the county wrap that I did last year. So maybe, maybe I just need to beat it around a bit more. Anyway, we'll see what happens with that. I need to finish warping that up. I'd like to finish that this afternoon, but I need to do some schoolwork. Because it's the warping that takes the time. Once you've warped it, I don't find the actual weaving takes too long at all. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping that I'll be able to knock that out fairly quickly um, and then can sew it up. I've also been working on some more little squares using Jane KAL's pattern for woolsack cushions because I have a whole load of those given to me at the last guild meeting and another big bag full given this meeting. And so I'm sitting there sort of grouping them together into colours that I think can go and working out which sets might need one or two more squares just knitted in that yarn to finish it off. So I think we're probably going to have, we're going to have five or six cushions just made using that pattern that various people have contributed to, I think. I was really excited. People started bringing cushions in to the guild meeting yesterday and I'm, I'm just so excited at seeing some of them. I think... We've definitely got out of the guild of the people that were there yesterday and not everyone was there. There were 17 definite cushions and seven planned. Plus we've got these six that can be made from this, the little squares that people have made. And I'm fairly certain there's at least one other person who was working on a cushion that it can be finished. The felters on Friday had sent some cushions through as well. Frodsham has a, a felting group that meets on the Friday, the day before our um, guild meeting, and they'd sent four gorgeous cushions through. So there may be more coming from the felters, I don't know. So it's all very, very exciting. Um, and I, um, it's now less than five weeks till the Woolsack stuffing event that we're hosting at the guild, and I'm just... I'm really, really excited. In case people aren't sure... That event is open to members of the public. So if there is anyone in the northwest area, in the Cheshire area, Merseyside, who wants to come and stuff their cushion, please feel free to come along and stuff it. It's at Frodsham Community Centre on Fluin Lane in Frodsham. There is car parking there and we sell tea and coffee and um, homemade cake as well very reasonably priced so please feel free to come along between 11 and 3 on saturday the 21st of april to come and stuff your wool sack cushion and uh just come and, and say hello and and you can see what the guild do as well so if you are interested at all in possibly thinking about finding coming over to the dark side <laughs> not really the dark side but you know what i mean then feel free um to come and have a little look i think that's probably it for the work that I've done. But then it's only eight days since, well, even less than that, seven and a half days since I spoke to you last. So bearing in mind, I've also done schoolwork in amongst all that. Then I just think it does show exactly what my ADHD and why it took me so long to cast off my damson because I was just running around from project to project. Now, this episode we have another postcard. I wanted to put this up quite soon simply because it mentions an exhibition that 
runs until April the 15th. And I wanted to give people a chance to um, hear about it and then see if they could get there. It's at the Regard conference area and shopping experience in Cumbria, which is just outside Penrith. I do talk about it more within the, pod, the, the postcard, but it is it was just a really, really good exhibition. So I am hopefully got enough from the audio postcard um, to give you a flavour of that. Just to get set the scene for you, my husband and I went up to spend a few days in the February half terms, which is now just over four weeks ago, and we were staying at Windermere. So not actually down on the lake in the little village of Bowness on Windermere, but in the little village or town of Windermere itself, which is maybe about a mile and a half up the road. It's very, it's quiet, but there's a lot of restaurants because obviously it does have a, a tourist trade, but it doesn't, we find it doesn't get quite as bustily full of the tourists as Bowness does down at the bottom. When we arrived on the Wednesday, we um, had a walk around the local area and I didn't do any recording at all. Then on the Thursday, we set out for Keswick and went on um, from there to Grasmere. And then there's also some audio from Friday when we went out up um, towards the A66 and on our way back home again. So it is really not a great deal of audio, but I wanted to try and capture some of the sounds of being in the lakes there are some windy parts, so I do apologise for bits where there is background wind um, in the first few sections. And my husband was not quite as close to the end of my phone as I was, so his, I, it's not maybe not quite as clear um, with the wind blowing his words as it might be for others. I mentioned throughout photographs that I have taken um, but I mentioned last episode that that memory card is corrupted. So there are a couple of photos that I'd loaded up to Flickr already or had taken on my phone. So I have loaded those onto the show notes. Um, but sadly, a lot of the photographs that I'm talking about, I don't have. But it's, you know, I still hope that you get a flavour perhaps of what it's like in February with typical... February weather in the lakes um, when we start. There is a reading within it that is taken from the Grasmere Journal by Dorothy Wordsworth. Anyway, here it is. A postcard from the Lake District. Freezing cold. <laughs> Dull. Overcast. Fresh. <laughs> Fresh is a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> but better on it than in it, huh? Yeah. Nice scenery. <laughs> what, when the cloud lifts?
do more later. <laughs> Indeed. So, we're now probably the only people, with perhaps one other couple, who are still outside at the back of the launch. Yes, aren't we? Why, why would that be, my dear? Maybe because it's drizzling. It's wet. It's even colder now than it was before. <laughs> but, do indeed get the beautiful, rugged Legland landscape. Are you having fun yet? Yeah, it's great. Because <laughs> you just so love to be on boats anyway, don't you? Great. This one will sink at some stage. So, there you heard it first from Mr Jolly, who does indeed love to be on boats. Not. Laters. Thursday, 15th of April, 1802. It was a threatening, misty morning, but mild. We set off after dinner from Ewsmere. Mrs Clarkson went a short way with us, but turned back. The wind was furious, and we thought we must have returned. We first rested in the large boathouse, then under a furze bush opposite Mr Clarkson's, saw the plough going in the field. The wind seized our breath, the lake was rough. There was a boat by itself floating in the middle of the bay below Watermillock. We rested again in the Watermillock Lane. The hawthorns are black and green, the birches here and there greenish, but there is yet more of purple to be seen on the twigs. We got over into a field to avoid some cows, people working, a few primroses by the roadside, wood sorrel flowers, the anemone, scentless violets, strawberries and that starry yellow flower which Mrs C calls pilewort. When we were in the woods beyond Gowborough Park, we saw a few daffodils close to the waterside. We fancied that the lake had floated the seeds ashore and that the little colony had so sprung up. But as we went along there were more and yet more, and at last, under the boughs of the trees, we saw that there was a long belt of them along the shore, about the breadth of a country turnpike road. I never saw daffodils so beautiful. They grew among the mossy stones about and about them. Some rested their heads upon these stones as on a pillow for weariness, and the rest tossed and reeled and danced, and seemed as if they verily laughed with the wind that blew upon them over the lake. They looked so gay, ever glancing, ever changing. This wind blew directly over the lake to them. There was here and there a little knot, and a few stragglers a few yards higher up, but they were so few as not to disturb the simplicity and unity and life of that one busy highway. So, I'm here outside Dove Cottage, which was home of William Wordsworth and his sister Dorothy and his wife for about eight and a half years, from 1799 to about 1808. And it was whilst living um, at Dove Cottage at Town End on, uh, near Grasmere that 
Dorothy first recorded in her journals um, her reaction to coming across a bank of daffodils waving and dancing in the breeze. And at some point, William did read her journals and using an idea from that, he then wrote um, his famous daffodils. I wandered lonely as a cloud. Remember the one? Of course, I don't remember the words straight off the top of my head, so I will have to find them for you. But we've just been round of cottage, and it's really interesting because there's an awful lot of original furniture in there. Um, although they only lived there a short time, and they took a lot of their furniture then um, onto the next house, and then a very brief time after that onto Rydal Mount, where they then um, lived for the rest of Wordsworth's life, another 37 years. Um, obviously, there were... By, by the time he died, he had become Poet Laureate, so he was a man of standing. And um, there were obviously a, a number of articles that were within his possession that have ended up back at Dove Cottage. So it's very small, um, not a great deal of room, bearing in mind that um, Wordsworth lived there with his sister and his wife and his wife's sister, and they had three children, and there was invariably a visitor. Um, must have been quite a packed house. But, uh, you know, interesting nevertheless. I don't know a great deal about the Romantic Poets, I'm afraid. It's a, an area of my um, literary understanding that's a bit of a blank. Um, you know, I can quote you a couple of lines of Coleridge, um, and that's it really. But uh, I'm quite inspired to go and read some more. Um, sorry, I've wandered a little bit closer to the road, so there's a little bit more traffic noise now. Um, but it's uh, it's delightful. What's also very interesting is that uh, in one of the rooms that was effectively Wordsworth's study, there's a, a day couch. And on there is an original cushion that Dorothy, his sister, um, stitched for him. And the colours have held remarkably well. And there was also a knee rug that his daughter-in-law, Fanny, made. She went out and gathered all of the wool, presumably um, caught around, because that, that was definitely the word she used, gathered, uh, prepared it, dyed it, uh, spun it, and then knitted it into a, a very attractive lap rug. Unfortunately, I couldn't take a photograph of it um, due to um, the fact that you can't take photographs inside, but it was really interesting. I then went on to the museum, and inside the museum, there is a domestic scene um, with two very pretty spinning wheels and uh, some spindles and some raw fleece and some um, cards, um, hand carders there. And also in um, a case nearby are three pairs of exquisitely knitted fingered gloves so they're not mittens they are fingered gloves they've got sort of a little bit of Norwegian styling predominantly black and white but um, the, the stitches are very very small and they are apparently some of the earliest examples of named gloves to be found in the British Isles and are of very high quality and I think they weren't made at Dent um, which is in Cumbria. And I was um, told by one of the curators there of, of a poem, The Terrible Knitters of, of Dent. So apparently um, the use terrible there is, is because terribly good, and these young child knitters. So I need to go off and find that poem for you. 
Um, but actually, what I'm going to go and do now is go and find the tea rooms. I can feel a cream tea coming on. It's about tea o'clock. Okay, I'll catch up with you later. I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth Read for LibriVox.org By Graham at Plum Hill I wandered lonely as a cloud That floats on high o'er vales and hills When all at once I saw a crowd A host of golden daffodils Beside the lake beneath the trees Fluttering and dancing in the breeze. Continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in never-ending line along the margin of a bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay. In such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, But little thought what wealth The show to me had brought. For oft, when on my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, They flash upon that inward eye Which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills And dances with the daffodil. So it's the morning of uh, Friday the 17th of February and you couldn't have wished for a, be a different morning from yesterday. Yesterday there was a lot of cloud cover and drizzle so you couldn't see much of the fells at all. This morning as we drove from Windermere up the A591 towards Keswick it was delightful. We could see all the peaks in there, all that russet glory. Uh, snow still on the tips of them. The lakes were shimmering in the sun. Um, so we drove past Windermere, Lake Windermere, into, past Rydal Water and then Thirlmere. Uh, and of course as you come down and skirt the edge of Keswick you can see Derwent Water as well. And it was absolutely gorgeous. I did try and take a couple of uh, shots for you that you know, I might be able to put in the, the show notes for you. But it was just, it's just wonderful. It's a very rugged landscape. Um, that road takes you beneath Helvellyn which is one of the highest of the fells in the Lake District. And it was just glorious, absolutely glorious. A real day to be out and about um, without that drizzle and greyness that we had yesterday. Now what we've done is we've come out towards uh, Stainton, which is out on the A66 towards Penrith, as we're heading home today. And we've called in at the Alpaca Centre, which is a farm that keeps some alpaca and has a shop that sells alpaca products. I think the vast majority of them do come from Peru. They are imported in. And uh, my husband says, I remember now when we came here last time why we didn't spend much time in the shop because they do pa pipe pan... <laughs> they have pan pipe music playing in the store, which my husband can cope with for approximately 35 seconds. Um, so anyway, we've come through and we've paid our pound to come and see the alpaca. And I have to say... They're a fairly unfriendly bunch. They've sort of looked at us, turned their backs on us. One of them broke wind. And uh, then they have wandered further into the field. So there's only one that's close to me now um, who is uh, munching on some hay because um, he's up near the barn. The rest are out in the paddock. 
um, and this one's I'd say from her, her height or his height, it's hard to tell, uh, is only a, a young one. Um, but Top Knot is there and uh, fluffy ears and if I hold my phone out you might be able to hear some alpaca chewing. Or possibly not, because of course the moment I've held the microphone towards her, or the, my phone towards her, she's really stopped munching. But there we are. Never mind. It is uh, a delightful spot. Because we're on the edge, there's not many of the fells left. Um, you can see a little bit of the Pennines in the distance. Um, this is a much softer landscape. But it is, uh, if you do like alpaca, it's only a pound to come out and have a little look at them. Um, you're not allowed to feed them, uh, but you can just come and lean on the, the fence and gaze longingly at them and dream your alpaca dreams like I do. Having to go through in and out of the shop does actually mean that there's no way that you can steal one to take one home so my husband is quite delighted with that. Um, but I'm going to go up and possibly have a cup of, uh, cup of coffee if we can stand the panpipe music and uh, maybe have a, have a look to see if there's any British alpaca yarn for sale. <laughs> Alright, see you later. So I'm here at the WOW, or Wonder of Wool exhibition, here at the Reggett Discovery Centre just outside Penrith. And it's an absolutely fascinating art exhibition. I think I thought it was a display of knitted pieces, a bit like a summer show, but it's not. It's, it is. It's proper. It, it's art. I know that sounds really dread, proper art, but these, there are installation pieces and there are... Um, mixed media pieces and some really thought-provoking work um, there's some some work that makes me laugh so um, Kate Jenkins has a piece called Beef Wellington and another piece called Mutton Dressed as Lamb both of those are crocheted lamb's wool the Beef Wellington is um, a picture of a beef cow with the different um, cuts marked uh, much as there would be in a butchery diagram but it's wearing uh, a pet, uh, sets of Wellingtons and they're all crocheted uh, mutton dressed as lamb is exactly as it sounds again it's a uh, based on a butchery diagram showing the eight cuts of meat but um, this is obviously an older sheep but she's got very glittery eyeshadow and uh, sequiny lips and uh, sets of sequiny stilettos um, so it's absolutely delightful uh, another piece that's absolutely fascinating is um, The Knitted Homes of Crime by Freddie Robbins, which is... Um, it actually wasn't knitted by um, the artist. Obviously, the, it sort of had the idea, but was knitted by someone called Jean Arkell. And it's a series of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven buildings, each of them associated with um, a crime committed by a woman. Um, all of them... Um, resulted in I would say that yes yes all of them resulted in the death by capital punishment of the perpetrator of the crime um, so I hadn't heard of the vast majority of these apart from um, the piece entitled Ruth which is a large knitted 
version of the Magdala Tavern, which is on the South Hill Park, uh, on South Hill Park in Hampstead in London, which was the scene of the murder of David Blakely by Ruth Ellis, who was the last woman to hang in Britain. Um, but it's it's very really interesting. There's a whole range of um, things, very much sort of art installation pieces. Um, there's a, a very interesting piece. It's entitled 3,000 Hours" by Susan Crawford, and uh, she have just called me Ruby, designer fame, and uh, the vintage knits um, author. And she has um, she has it, it's a, a piece basically that looks like an awful lot of piles of her pattern notes, swatches, uh, pencils some of her Exelana yarn, tape measure, and a mug with tea in the bottom. And that's obviously symbolising um, the hour spent in working her, her uh, patterns up. There's an interactive area where you can make a pom-pom sheep. And there is um, a really eye-catching piece, again by Freddie Robbins, called uh, Craft Kills. So it's a self-portrait based on the image of St. Sebastian being martyred. Now, if you're familiar with that image at all, he's been tied to a post and arrows are shot at him. Um, well, this is a full-size machine-knitted bodysuit, complete with toes. There are no fingers, though, because the hands, are, the, the arms are actually joined together in one piece with ribbing where the hands would be. Uh, and there's a face over the top. Uh, craft kills is written across it and instead of arrows being through it, um, piercing the body it's a whole series of knitting needles with knitting needles on the floor so it's a very eye-catching piece um, there's a lovely piece called um, And Peter by Josh Rigg which is a Herdwick fleece that's been felted into a rabbit chip it's just delightful absolutely gorgeous and just really really interesting and quirky pieces and it's lovely to, to see the knitting here as an art form, not just as uh, artistic pieces of knitting. So um, I'm really impressed. If you get a chance to get up here before the exhibition closes on the 15th of April, do so because it's really, really interesting. I'm just uh, turning it on again to, to actually just mention a fabulous piece here um, called the... Knitted Engine. Here's a collaborative piece by Amy Twigger Holroyd and 30 Year Six pupils from Coleshill Primary School. Um, they toured the assembly hall at the BMW plant at Hams Hall, exploring the hidden similarities between engineering and craft. And each child's contribution to it is tracked via production tags, and uh, there are some really interesting comments. Some of the children have obviously made sort of quite elaborate little pieces. Um, others have had a problem. This knitting is called French knitting. It's not supposed to be so tiny. The joke is that it took about 40 minutes and its size was still tiny and as a result everyone laughs at it. Despite it being hard at the start, halfway through it was easy. So there's some really interesting um, bits here. There are the children they've done finger knitting, uh, finger crochet, French knitting, um, knitting with needles. And it's just really, really interesting as a piece. Um, I'm also interested in the fact that I'm fairly sure Coles Hill Primary School was the school that my uh, a former colleague of mine, her mother, was the head at before she retired. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? Small world. So I hope you enjoyed that. If 
you are at all anywhere near the area within the next month, I would strongly advise getting to Reged and going to the Wonder of Wool exhibition. It was absolutely superb. It was £2.50, which I think was the best £2.50 I spent on an exhibition for a long, long time. Really, really good. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I've hunted around all over the place for the poem, The Terrible Knitters of Dent, and I can't find it anywhere. But what I have found is a link to the Dent Village Heritage Centre, um, which mentions um, the terrible knitters of, of Dent and gives some examples of it. Apparently, um, according to the website, they realised that knitting would be an excellent source of second income. And they set up a system, and it sounds very similar to Shetland knitting belts, where they balanced one needle in the belt, used one hand then to work the yarn with the other needle, which left one, you know, with one hand working the, the yarn and the needle, the other hand could be free to do other things at the same time, for example, um, churning butter or milking cows but the website says that the men began to drop off at some point during the 19th century when people began to hear of their reputation and came to gawp at them milking a cow with one hand and knitting with the other and so at that point the men began to leave the knitting to the women now whether that's true or not I don't know but it's just a wonderful image isn't it so I've put links to that up um, in the, the show notes. Dent is quite close, from what I can work out, it's quite close to Sedbro, which means that it's on, it's in the south of the lakes, but actually almost more in um, the Pennines than the lakes. So it's on the border uh, between Cumbria and Yorkshire. The reading of I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, I found on LibriVox. There were a whole host of selections there and I rather liked that gentleman's voice. LibriVox is a resource of listener-contributed readings of works that are in the public domain. Because it is listener-contributed, some contributions are, I find personally, easier to listen to than others. But it's an interesting resource um, and I have listened to audiobooks from it. And, um, like I say, I found a whole range of, of poetry. So I've put the link up for that up in the show notes as well. So I think that just about brings us to the end of this episode. It's another quite long one. I do apologise. I love to get feedback, though. So if you are at all inclined, please feel free to leave a message on the show notes over at the Podbean site or on the Blogspot site. Go and leave a comment on the group page on Ravelry or PM me where I am on Ravelry where I'm Tales from the Plane. You'll find me lurking about on Twitter. Again, sporadically, some days I tweet quite a lot. Other days I don't tweet at all. But, you know, I'm around and I hover about. I'm Tales from Plane over on Twitter. And you can, of course, email me at any point at yarnsfromtheplane at googlemail.com. Take care, and thanks for listening. Bye. You've been listening to Yarns from the Plain. Show notes and links are available at the Yarns from the Plain show page at yarnsfromtheplain.podbean.com. 
if you'd like to contact the show, you can leave a comment over there on the show page, or you can email me at yarnsfromtheplane at googlemail.com, or message me on Ravelry, where I'm Tales from the Plane. Until next time, take care, and thanks for listening.